Um, hi, everyone. If I have not met you, my name is Han. Um, I attended Cornerstone um, starting my freshman year at Northeastern. Anyone at Northeast? Woo! There's, that's right. <laughs> Since I was a freshman, and then um, I stayed here for until I think around six, seven years after that. Um, and I was actually commissioned off as well. And I remember um, just being prayed over. It was actually during COVID uh, on like the live. And um, I'm so thankful. I think to just be back here um, with uh, my like church body. I still deeply relate, I think, Cornerstone as my church. I actually just got a merch because I heard that y'all have great sweaters. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I want one. And it's so exciting, I think, to be back. So, yeah, I love um, I love missions. I love the idea of being sent. And I really always, um, I wish I could say that's, that was me all the time, but it really wasn't. Um, I really entered into college not really thinking about anything like this. But actually, right now, I'm currently serving full-time. At, uh, as campus minister with Student Movement Global um, at NYU and at Columbia. Um, there's actually an NYU student here, so it's a little funny. But um, it's so awesome and crazy to me that this is what I do. Um, there's a lot of students there who all call me a boomer and like that I can't keep up, all these students over there, I think. Like, <laughs> um, and it's crazy that um, that's the life that I live right now. Um, and I want to show you a little bit about how that even started, because um, I think a lot of us uh, um, might be like new just meeting me. Um, I entered really into college having this question of, Lord, what is your heart? Um, high school was when I really met the Lord personally and intimately that Jesus, um, his, who he is, who God is, is love. And I entered into college thinking, God, I, I'm, I'm, but I don't really know what your heart is. I'm not sure what you care about. And that's really what God started to unfold um, in my life. And it started really, I think, gently with sharing lives with others. Um, the word discipleship intimidated me. And like, I just didn't feel like I qualified. I didn't feel like I had anything to teach others. And I just separated myself from the words like discipleship, words like missions, because I wanted to be the ordinary Christian that I am who love the Lord with all my heart and my soul and my mind on Sundays, and then on my Wednesdays, on my Friday nights. And I really have very carefully compartmentalized my life to worship God in certain ways. But I think starting this journey of small group discipleship, walking with others, um, opens up my heart to see that, oh, it's more of a way of life and my identity as the Bible so clearly talks about. And it's not just duties and things to get done as a Christian. Um, and yeah, so that really, I started a lot of joy of, I think, discipling and walking with students at Northeastern, at NYU Columbia now, um, in many other ways. And I just saw immense joy in walking alongside of people and witnessing their growth. Um, I saw students, I remember meeting someone at like Fall Fest, which is like, the beginning of this fall semester, I just saw two girls walking down and thought I should invite them to our open like club night and found out that one of them actually isn't Christian, but she ended up joining my small group. And we were just talking and going over all these different questions. And finally, the second semester, she accepted Christ. And this girl, she has never even stepped into a church um, before entering college. And I just remember sitting there, I'm like, who am I that I get to partake and be a witness to someone's growth and intimately and personally 
meeting Jesus. And this starts really to expand because, um, again, missions wasn't, I just, again, I meant that, oh, I'm, I'm like a normal Christian. And then, like, people who go on missions and be ministers are, like, the super Christians. <laughs> and I was, like, the normal one. Um, it's how I constantly felt, I think, in college. And I went on short term to um, Turkey. And I ended up going back there for a whole year. And that's, uh, that's a jump, I know. But that was a journey of surrendering my life and seeing not God as someone who's compartmentalized in my life, but as someone who is the Lord and Savior over all of my life. And in Turkey, I started to see, again, God is expanding my heart for his people because that's really what he was revealing, that in my small groups in my campus, and now I got to sit in front of people who never had considered Jesus as their that it was something, a personal invitation. I've had so many conversations in Turkey with my friends where they said, oh, you, for you to be American, you're a Christian. For me to be Turkish, it means I'm a Muslim. Um, and that they, we totally respected one another, yet they never thought that there was a personal invitation to a relationship with Jesus. And I had friends who tell me, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to church on Sunday. She's like, why are you going to a museum every Sunday? And I was like, what? Because it has become a historical artifact that the concept of worshiping the living God is so foreign. And those things start to really shock me. And for the year that I was there, um, I had so many conversations, just hanging out really, like eating a lot of baklava and uh, <laughs> drinking a lot of tea and having long conversations and hangouts. Um, and really started to wonder, God, what are you doing in these hearts of many? Um, and after, actually, I had already left Turkey at this point after a year and got to witness someone actually being baptized. Um, and I, I've been going back to Turkey a couple of years, almost like every other year, either short terms and to visit. Um, he's actually, he's, he's one of the Turkish students who was like the head of the Muslim club on campus. He hung out with us because he liked speaking English <laughs> and, yeah, just liked the company of international students. And he later confessed that the love that he saw in our community was different. And that's when I knew it was God, because our community, we had a lot of struggles. We had a lot of conflicts, <laughs> and we committed to love one another. Um, and I remember seeing that change, and I was like, wow, God, your heart for your people is insane. And I started to, again, spark that joy. Um, this really continues on because um, if you know anything about Northeastern, we have co-ops. And I, I was a behavior neuroscience major, and I um, had a co-op. I had an internship at the mental hospital, and I was working there. And this is really when I think God started to expand my heart that his heart for his people is not just in ministry settings. Because I remember walking into the hospital and feeling like, wait, I, I, don't, I can't do anything. Um, being so overwhelmed. Um, it was like a 24-bed uh, unit. And, but I remember having these moments with my patients where I can't utter any word in, about Jesus because it's just the, how the law is. Yet, I remember one of my patients telling me, Ha, I love when you come in because you're always, like, smiling. You don't get mad at me for asking for orange juice. And I'm like, really? Does that, does that help anything? And I remember having one of the group sessions when everyone was so angry at the staff. And I remember sitting there and being like, I, it's hard being here, but I love being here because I believe that you guys, each of you are worthy. Like, you're not less of any human being than I am. And I remember just being able to communicate that and having such connection and having so much, like, hope and filledness in my heart that, wow, God is working. And... I get to be a witness 
um, even when I feel like I can't say anything about Jesus or like spiritual things. And it's really crazy, that invitation. And that really continues on. Um, I worked after actually graduating college. Um, I was working at Northeastern. I was also working as a behavior therapist with kids with autism. And I didn't know that I could get so angry at a child that I wanted to punch them in the face. Like, I, people think I'm really nice, but like, there were times I'm like, oh man. And, and later on, it was on Zoom. And I didn't like, I wanted to punch someone through the screen, you know, like, I was like, stop. Um, and I remember shutting my computer down or walking out of my session and just asking God, God, what are you doing? Um, how can I be of witness? And at times it was simply to pray for the family. At times it was actually to have a different conversation with the student next time. Like, but it was that, Lord, I know you are working. This may not be the most ministry setting I'm in, but I know you are working in the hearts of these people because God's heart that he revealed to me throughout college was that his heart is for his people. Um, so this became, started to really be a practice. And at the end of, you know, towards working, I'm like, wow, like, and God is working everywhere, which means I am a missionary wherever I go, which means I also don't have to be a full-time minister. <laughs> and I thought, I thought this was my journey. I was like, yes, like we're all sent. We're all sent. We get to go in business, in, in health, and in, in education. Um, all these different areas were all sent to this field. And I really felt like there were so many opportunities opening up for me to advance in mental health area, whether that was grad school or like promotions. And I was like, wow, God. But I couldn't shake off the feeling of, but there's more. So I, I, I just kind of kept being attentive. Like discerning process really for me is an attentiveness to the Holy Spirit um, in all areas of my life. And I kept asking and I was walking um, home one day and I was just praying and asking God, and I felt like I was saying, huh, wouldn't it be so amazing? And I'm like, oh, man. Wouldn't it be so amazing if you were to partner with me in sending and discipling students who would go into all of these fields? The students that I ministered to at NYU and Columbia, these are some brilliant kids, just like all of us here. Um, and wouldn't it be so amazing if they knew that they are also sent to wherever they go? Because out of 100 students, maybe, I don't know, 10 hallelujah, would join ministry as full-time. But those 90 people are going to go into their fields having influence, having, like, unique relationships and spaces and places. And that's really how I ended up joining full-time staff with Zoom Movement and, uh, and campus ministry, that I desire, deeply, deeply desire and believe that we are all sent out um, to all of the fields that we go into. And this has been a challenging and lots of fun journey. It's not only challenging to keep up with the trends with my college students. They teach me all these different things and I can never keep up. It's a joke that if I know a new trend, it means it's already outdated. <laughs> like I already know because it's been overdone already. But these are the joys that I get to share. And I want to share two stories um, just from this past semester. Um, there's a slide with this text and like a picture. Um, this is one of my students, the student that's right next to me. She, her name is M, And we had invited her because she went on summer missions last year. Um, but she's from Hunter College. We invited her to come to Columbia to share her story about summer missions. And she's getting ready. I'm not going to read off the whole thing. But basically, she's saying that she was telling one of her other friends at school, who's not a Christian, um, that she's going to Columbia. And and she's like, oh, why are you going to Columbia? And she stared like, oh, yeah, like I went on summer mission. So like they invited me to come. 
and she's just she's just sharing live. She's just she's not doing anything crazy. And the student was like, "Oh, summer missions, Cambodia. Tell me more." And started to share that she actually believes in God, but never really knew how to have a personal relationship with God. And you hear that, you get excited. Oh, really? <laughs> and it's crazy because she had just learned the week before at large group how she can simply share and invite someone how to know God personally. So with a week of training, she shared, this is how you can know God personally and basically read off something like a discipleship um, booklet that we have. And the friend said, wow, that's amazing. I want to have a personal relationship with God. And she now starts coming out to Hunter. And this is just one story of many that we're seeing that students, as they just live, um, that they have opportunities as they are attentive. Lord God, what are you doing on this campus? What are you doing in this classroom? The asking and the living of our lives just becomes a testimony. And personally for me too, like as I was doing a lot of ministry and things like that, it has been a personal challenge. I'm a bit of a wrestler, so I question everything. Like if things have been done the same way, then we should question it to see if we can make it better. <laughs> and that's been really my personal wrestling, I think, in ministry and asking God. And um, entering into a big winter conference that we had um, called Higher Calling, um, there was a lot of prep work we had to be done. Um, and I was doing elective seminars, which were great. Actually, Pastor Bill was one of our elective seminar speakers and gave Spiritual Gifts and Calling, which was such um, a changing moment in my life my freshman year. Um, and I was also doing praise, so I was doing both things. But praise is six sessions. We only had two vocals. So guess what happened on the sixth session? I had no voice. <laughs> I had completely lost my voice. I actually lost my voice on the fifth like session, which was like the third day night. And I remember like, man, I, I, I got to get my voice back. I remember thinking, God, like, I don't know how I could, I could praise. I don't know how I can lead worship with no voice. Literally, my speaking voice was gone. Every time people tried to talk to me, I'm like, talk. <laughs> and really, I had nothing. We had lowered every song, the key. Um, and I remember just asking the Lord, Lord, what are you doing right now? Um, how should I pray? And I felt the sense of peace of whether I am silent or I am the loudest I can be, God be praised. That I couldn't, I didn't have to utter a word in, in leading, um, that God will be honored and glorified. And I had such sense of peace. So my prayer changed to, God, you don't have to return my voice. I just pray that you are honored and glorified. And coming in, actually, it was a bit of a question because um, some of our students, I, or just overall, it just kind of felt like we started to lose a generation of worshipers. That's what it started to feel like during COVID. People weren't sure how to even wrestle with God um, and pray and worship um, and discern God's will. But there was, again, assurance of God is doing something in this generation. Um, and this next picture, there's a picture of all these people praising. And I was, at this point, absolutely silent. I had no voice. And I had never seen students so loudly praising that, wow, God, it seems like it was your will that I had no voice because now I get to just worship and hear and sing. And the lyrics of this song was garden, um, what is it? Graves into garden and there's nothing better than you. And I just heard them screaming out and praising. And I remember being filled with so much hope that there is a generation who is committed to choosing God, that his way is better, that not my, but your, wills, your will be done. That in midst of so much pain and brokenness that I see all the time in my students. Um, 
Tatakar is working and redeeming. So it's been a very, uh, like, prayerful um, and joyful journey, I think, to be part of. Um, and, yeah, I, I actually pray every year whether or not God is sending me back to Turkey and just overseas. And there's been a very clear no. And I get heartbroken a little bit every time. But there is a sense of, but I know, God, I could trust you because you are the Lord of harvest. And you send out your workers where you seem fit. So I am your worker. Um, and I stay attentive to the Lord. Um, and that's kind of the journey that I've had um, as a full-time uh, minister uh, with Sue Movement. And the second part that I wanted to share is more of an invitation. Um, because I've been saying that the sent life is really for all of us, um, not just those who stand on pulpits or um, lead even in small groups, or even limited to just ministry settings. Um, and the verse in actually John 20, 21 um, just really... Uh, like hit me like bricks um, and it says as the father has sent me I also send you and if you know this around this uh, around this verse in John 20 is when Jesus has resurrected and he comes back to the disciples and he's sending them out and he's saying as the father has sent me I also send you and we're gonna see this verse just in short um Pastor Bill told me it's a missions devotional, not a message, so <laughs> I took that to heart. <laughs> Just short, in one part of how is the Father sending Jesus, and how is Jesus sending us? And let's look at, yeah, as the Father has sent me. Um, and when we see as Father has sent me, we see Jesus really embodying this sent identity. And what I mean by that is well, actually one of the most frequent ways that Jesus describes God the Father in the Gospel of John is the Father who sent me. He says around 38 times that he is sent by the Father. And I remember reading this through. I had recently read all the Gospels and you're like, wow, there is this focus and this knowing who he is sent by that it is not, it becomes a way of and the shaping of life. That it's not just one of the options, it's not just part of him, but it is who he is, that he is sent by the Father. That it's that the way of life that he lives is not just what he does on his side time, but he is focused. And I remember thinking, there's something unique about the sent identity that Jesus carries. And I said 38 times in the book of John alone, so I had a lot of verses to choose from. Um, but one came to mind from John 6, 38. It says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That there is a focused sense of, it's the Father's will that I desire to accomplish. And he says another occasion that... Um, when the disciples are asking Jesus, did you have some food? Did you, did you eat anything? He says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Part of me, I was like, what a weirdo. Like, just, they're asking if you ate. She's like, no, my food is to do the will of the Father. <laughs> and I remember sitting there a little bit and thinking about what, is, what does food do to us that the will of the Father, doing the will of God would create the same, like, parallel um, that when you think about actually food, food is a place of strength and of satisfaction. Um, that for him, because he is a sent person by God, for him to do the will of the Father was fulfilling um, and was so satisfying and was strengthening. 
Um, and it made me started to think, is this how I also view my life? Because second half is that I also send you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So we, gotta, we can learn from how Jesus was sent into this world to share the message that now we received. And God is also, again, Jesus is sending us out with that same message to others. And when we think about the sent identity, I, I want to invite us to think about three aspects of who am I sent by, who am I sent to, and how I can invite others. And I guess who am I sent by is very clear. It's like if you can do English, it's like it says, I send you. So Jesus is sending us out. And we can learn from that because um, when I think about the sentness, I think about the word ambassador a lot. And in 2 Corinthians, if you see um, in 520, it says, we are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And there's something so special about, I think, it being ambassadors that I sit on. Because as an ambassador, um, and when you are representing and being sent out like that, you are most concerned, you're not trying to give them your own version of who you're representing. You're not trying to just, you're simply trying to present the one that you are sent by. That means you need to know who, who sent you. That means we also need to be aware of what is the sense of identity that I carry. Because if we have no idea who we are sent by, it sounds like we might actually lose our very identity. And the question that I think about is, as we know who we are sent by, what is something that you want people to know about God? Think about three to four sentences. If someone were to ask you, or just carry that in your heart, what, are, like, what is something that you want most, that you want most for people to know about God, the one who has sent you out? And another aspect is, who am I sent to? And this part actually gets me really excited, and it kind of goes back to how I was even called into ministry, um, that there are unique spaces and influence and relationships that you have that I really don't have, or the people next to you. Like, you are, uh, you're able to be at certain places because you have permission to, because your work is. For example, I have this, um, I have an NYU ID. It's really great. This gives me access to be in certain places, um, to be at a campus where I don't need to feel like I'm just walking around lurking and being shady. Um, although a student told me I could pass as a sophomore at NYU. Uh, <laughs> it's so nice to have this ID. And I wonder even just to look at like, what are some IDs you have? What are some unique spaces that you are actually sent out to? Because it's not about strictly like boiling it down to ministry settings, but if this is our identity, not something that we do, but we, we are like to be, um, that you don't clock out of being sent. That there are opportunities, there are streets that you walk, there are places you live, there's that one specific Starbucks that you go to, there's that one bus that you take, there is one coworker that you sit next to. Um, and as hard as it is, there are family members um, that probably is sometimes the hardest. My dad is not a believer, and it's one of the hardest. Um, my brother also isn't. It is one of the hardest. Yet I know, and I'm asking God, how are you sending me? And it's really, 
interesting when you think about what are the people like, if let's try to just think about five people that maybe God is sending us to. Um, and I'm not sure if these five people just like do, 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 come to mind right away. Uh, for some of us, and according to a research done by Barnar, 38% um, of practicing Christians have no non-Christian friends or family members. What a blessing, but also maybe we don't know that we're actually sent out <laughs> um, and we stay in. Um, I remember during large group at one of our um, NYU meetings, I was like, yeah, why don't we just invite our friends who might want to know God and just have a friends night? Most of our students said they have no non-Christian friends to invite to. And I was like, y'all got to go make some friends. Y'all got to do some social life. Y'all got to talk to your classmates and not sleep in your class. <laughs> because there is a sense of calling. I'm not, I, I don't want my students to just come to Christian gatherings, be fed, and stay in there. You're just going to grow really fat. Uh, we got to actually live and breathe and pour out. And I think there is actually such intimacy. And I use that word intimacy with my whole heart because as I am seeking God's will everywhere I go, as I am sitting on the bus and asking God, is there, is there anything? And as I walked down the road, he's God, I wonder what you're doing in this life. Like, I wonder what you're doing around me. What that creates isn't added busyness. I realize that creates in me intimacy. Because there are times I'm asking God, like, God, what are you doing in this, yeah, in, like, this bus? Like, is there anyone that I should be talking to? Sometimes God just says, no, just be and be aware of my presence. And I'm like, okay, that's nice. And there are times I, I do feel like, God, do I approach this person? Does this person need help, like, carrying something up? Is that an opportunity somehow? I don't know. Um, and it becomes a bit of an adventure and this intimate walk with God that God invites us to intimacy when he says he is sending us out. Um, there's a quote by this book called Scent um, by Heather Hallman. And this is a book that I was introduced to at one of my conference. And um, so much of, I think, what I talk about is really in this book. And she writes, if God is working, if he has put concerns about eternity into human heart, if he draws people to Jesus, and if the Holy Spirit is testifying about Jesus, and if the nature of Jesus is to seek and save the lost, then we approach conversation with other people with boldness and expectation. And I could confidently say that all this is true, that God is still working. God is working in and around us, and he has put concerns about eternity into human heart that he, he does draw people to himself. And the Holy Spirit does testify about Jesus. And the nature of Jesus was to seek and save the lost. And just as he is sent out to seek and save the lost, it is also that us, we are sent out to seek and save the lost. So that means that we get to live and breathe our normal daily lives differently. That means we walk the streets that we walk. We, we clock in into the same workplace. We might be going to the same Starbucks that we usually go to. We might be taking the same bus and the subway, coming into the same dorm rooms or roommates and places that you walk into, but with expectation. Because God is working in the people around you. God is working in the people around me. Um, and we get to say yes and partake into the adventure that he calls us to be. 
Um, and I really believe that God is sending us to the unique places that each of us are sent out to. And the last part is how can I then invite others? Because um, it, the great thing and a huge blessing about being in ministry is that I get to be so bold in sharing my prayer request and like 100 plus people um, pray for me. I have, I'm on full support, my whole salary, and Cornerstone is one of the generous like, supporters that I have, um, but not just in finances, but people are invited to pray with me in the journey because I really need prayer. <laughs> but when I think about it, I think each of us really need prayers too. I think each of us really need prayers in walking in curiosity and having these conversations. Some of the conversations I have, because, you know, I do ministry in a setting where they walk in and expect spiritual conversations. I mean, it's, it's not, I don't have to do a lot of things. But you guys might be walking into spaces, if you're not in ministry, where spiritual conversation feels intimidating. It feels off. And actually, all you really can do is just to be curious about their lives. And what's revealed to you might need a lot of prayer. So one of the things that I would love to, I think, encourage and invite us to think is, what are some ways that you can invite others to your ministry, that your sentness, wherever you're sent to? I remember having one of the most exciting conversations with young adult at a church that I go to now in the city. Um, she works at the Met. She's a Grammy-nominated pianist. Um, she works at the Met as one of the coordinators for music program. And I remember we were just talking, and her and I do very different things. But I remember us getting so excited about what does it look like to walk with people? What does it look like to pray for others? What does it look like to be a shepherd? What does it look like for us to prevent burnout <laughs> in ministry? Like, I remember thinking, Myra, like, I feel like we're just doing the same thing. That I just have a title of being a minister, and you just have a title of being a music program coordinator. But because who we are is we're, we're still sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we could have more and more conversations like that, that you actually get to be the unique missionary to your work. Um, I can't think of anything besides computer science. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> in coding, maybe your work is all remote. Like, man, you need prayer and how, how, how you can be a missionary in your remote work. Because I don't know. <laughs> but maybe as you pray and as you invite others to pray, God has ideas for you. So that's the kind of, I think, vibrancy and conversations that I would love to hear and I want to learn. Um, so I love asking, actually, my friends at work um, how I can pray for their ministry. And they go like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because, you know, God is working at your work. How can I pray for your work? How can I be praying for your ministry? How can I be praying and come alongside and be sent together? Um, and I hope that that's exciting. Um, and if that's intimidating, that's okay. That's why you invite others to prayer. <laughs> if you feel lost, if you feel like you actually don't know what the, like, what's the message that uh, God has sent through Jesus, and I, then I hope that it also expands your heart. Maybe that's an opportunity for you to personally receive this message of the gospel. Um, and I'm, I want to end with this verse. It says, very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than, uh, than these because I'm going to the Father. I remember reading this and feeling like, whoa, how? <laughs> how in the world am I going to do anything greater than what Christ has done on the cross? And 
And I remember sitting there feeling so like, what? <laughs> but what I didn't notice is what happens after. Um, if you continue reading John and actually in Acts 1.8 as well, it says, receive the Holy Spirit. It says to receive the Holy Spirit. That the message that I carry is about Christ and the Holy Spirit bears witness in my life. That the Holy Spirit is moving all around us. I need to be attentive. And that way, we will do greater things than what Christ has done. Um, the reach, and as soon as the Holy Spirit comes, there's like thousands of people added in the book of Acts to the church. And that's more than the lifetime of Jesus' ministry. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that I believe rests in us, in all of us. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to end with a prayer. Please pray for me. Please pray for one another again. Um, I hope this encourages conversations um, to invite others to your ministry. And I hope that's exciting, um, the adventure that God invites us. Um, yeah, so let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you um, that you have sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be our humble king, that Jesus, you did not come to conquer militarily or um, to outrun people, but you came as a humble king, you came as a servant, and that is the way, Father, that we are also being sent out. That in your eyes, you looked at people with love, that we may also look to everyone that we encounter with love that you have for them, the love that you have for his people. So help us, Lord God, and would you send us out in your Holy Spirit, and we say yes, Lord God, to your very word that is so clear, um, that just as the Father has sent you, Jesus, that you are sending us, but not alone, because it is your promise that you will be with us from now till forevermore we see you. So would we face every aspect of our lives with much curiosity, which with, with much excitement, and with intimacy with you, as, you ask, as we seek your will like 100 times a day, as we seek to, to see the spiritual reality of what's going on, would you help us to spark that joy, that curiosity, and that intimacy with you? And I pray that this very room will overflow in testimonies, in boldness, and in prayer of sharing testimonies and prayers with one another in the most like unexpected places of people meeting you intimately, of people who have never heard about Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior to know you personally and intimately. You invite us to that work, and we thank you, God. We love you, um, and in your name we pray. Amen.